Blog Talk Radio.
Positively. Well, welcome in, friends, to the Jazz Mill. I am your humble host, Scott Henderson, and for the next 60 minutes or so, we're going to do our level best to entertain you with some of the best players and composers on the planet. As always, we invite your calls at 515-602-9600. That's 515-602-9600, or if you'd be more comfortable in our chat room, that too is an option for you. Uh, Hey, here's a fun fact. Did you know that researchers at Oxford University recently found a correlation between high IQ and those who dig jazz, and that the more people listen to jazz, the smarter they became, which is really good news for a guy like me. On top of that, the overwhelming majority of jazz lovers floss daily, they recycle regularly, and they have their own, their very own net subscription. Uh, Hey, let me punch up my Jazz Mill co-host, Greg Rockingham, who has been keeping the beat since he was only five years old. He is an alumnus of the prestigious Interlochen Arts Academy, Northeastern University. He's worked with Nancy Wilson, Freddie Cole, Kenny Burrell, Steely Dan, Glenn Miller, to name a few. Uh, Presently, he plays with the Soul Message Band, uh, and they are the hottest B3 combo east of the Mississippi, I believe. They can be heard weekly at Chicago's historic Green Mill and elsewhere in the Chicagoland area. Welcome in, G-Rock. How are you, buddy? I'm good. I'm good today. Uh, How are you doing? Well, I'm I, I bet better than I ought to be, probably, uh, having a ball. We're very excited. We're all on Twitter here as we uh, get ready to uh, visit with uh, a new friend, uh, John Beasley. Uh, we're going to introduce him in just a second. But I wanted to tell you first, Greg, how much I enjoyed uh, your show at uh, the Studio 5 last, uh, last Saturday night. What a great crowd. Uh, you guys were electric. And uh, I just so enjoyed uh, uh, the, the, the streaming uh, broadcast of that. Uh, gave me a chance to be up close and personal. I thought you guys were profoundly entertaining. So uh, thank you for your good work uh, that thank night. You. And uh, every, every time I've seen you, you guys bring the wood, baby. You surely do. Um, well, well we, thank you very we much. Are, we are <laughs> – no, it's true. No, no, I'm, you, you are, I'm never, looking forward to this interview. I'm looking yeah, forward to me, me, hearing you, you and John too. talking, listening. Well, you, you're going to hop you very in much. wherever. Scott. Yeah, you hop mm-hmm. in wherever you like, uh, Greg. We are. Uh, it occurs to me we are among royalty today as we uh, get ready to talk with John Beasley. He is uh, he is a pianist, a composer, an arranger, a musical director, uh, and a producer. Uh, John's a Grammy Award winner and nine-time Grammy nominee and an Emmy nominee to boot. Uh, he began his career uh, backing such jazz icons as Miles Davis and Freddie Hubbard. Since then, John has been performing uh, has been has performed with Diana Reeves, um, uh, Ivan Lynn, John Petucci, uh, Chaka Khan, Christian McGride, Carly Simon, Lee Rittenauer, and Steely Dan. You guys have in common, Greg. Uh, his extensive work as a composer arranger extends beyond jazz, and uh, he has many credits in television uh, with uh, Star Trek, Cheers, and Fame, to name a few, and on the big screen uh, two. Uh, Bond film credits and uh, was also uh, prominently involved in the Shawshank uh, Redemption, which is one of those movies when I'm flipping around and I happen upon it, I have to go ahead and watch 
watch the rest of it. That's just my reaction to it. That's how much I love it. Uh, so uh, it, 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 it's a good it's a good good thing that we're going to be able to visit with uh, with such a wonderful uh, with such a wonderful and accomplished person. Uh, welcome in, John Beasley. How are you, Maestro? Thanks. Uh, I'm I'm doing pretty good here. I've been on the road for about six weeks, so I got home the other day and and enjoyed being at home. I bet you are. Were you on the road for Thanksgiving? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Uh, that's that's a shame. Hopefully, uh, for for Christmas, you'll be you'll be staying closer to home and uh, can can get some get some quality time in with uh, with your family. Um, it's one of my favorite holidays. Thanksgiving is. They say that the average uh, American between Thanksgiving and New Year's gains between ten and fifteen pounds. I know I'm doing my part. Uh, that is that is for sure. Uh, we played off the top, uh, John. I think you heard it uh, positively, and uh, that one hopped right off the uh, off the page at me when I was uh, looking at your catalog because it's fun to say for starters. But uh, I think uh, you were Grammy nominated for for that particular record, uh, best jazz instrumental album, if I have it right. That's right. That right. That's right. Features Jeff Tain Watts on the drums. And James Genus on the bass. Yeah, it's mm. it's really a good, great through and through, uh, and I heartily recommend it. We'll uh, post uh, the link to your good works on our show page, and people can find them readily, as I did on uh, on iTunes. Uh, I invite you to buy them up; they make great stocking stuffers. So, wh- where did you grow up, John? May I ask? I grew up in Shreveport, Louisiana. Um, you my- did. My grandfather was a uh, uh, well, he was a jazz, a Dixieland, I guess you would say, uh, trombone player. Played in territory bands all over Louisiana and Arkansas, and uh, actually made it out to L.A. in the in the aughts, probably what would have been the early twenties, I guess. Um, and a Model T used to say they had to drive it at, at night across the desert and stuff like that. So. And then my mom yeah. and dad are both musicians, and mm-hmm. so I got dragged around the rehearsals, and you know there was instruments around the house and lots of music around the house. Um, so that's where I grew up. Yeah, you were steeped in it for sure. Uh, beyond your immediate family, uh, who, who were your early influences, John? Uh, my first, well, I mean, my dad used to play, you know, Bird and Art Blakey and classical music as well, but around the house, you know. So I think the first record that I really started paying attention to was um, this Bobby Timmons record called Soul Time. It has Blue Mitchell on it, Art Blakey and Sam Jones. And it had this sort of twist kind of beat to it, you know, and and um, this one tune um, uh, that I really hooked on to. And then I got uh, I got into this Jimmy Smith record called The Midnight Special, and like that organ <laughs> yeah. thing. Uh, so those did. those were sort of my first first jazz records, I guess. You know, yeah, good good more. Good good starts and some pretty advanced stuff. I know uh, I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit here, but um, you know I hear from people all the time. They're they're always telling me, you know, I'm not, not wild about jazz. It just seems like a lot of high church uh, j- gibberish, complicated beyond need. And, uh, and, and I contend uh, 
that you know there's there's jazz everywhere. We just have to know what we're hearing. And uh, I think it's impressive that you started with some pretty uh, pretty complicated stuff, and for that to resonate with young ears. Uh, tells me you were you were built for this stuff, but uh, I think uh, where people start in their musical journeys uh, with respect to jazz, and I bet you'd agree, John, uh, makes quite a bit of difference. I think if you you know if you grab Coltrane uh, off the shelf and and expect to fall in love with it right off the hop. Uh, I think that's a rare person that can do that. Um, I put myself in the category of not being able to understand a lot of this stuff, but uh, I, I know what I like, and, uh, and and my ears are open to all of it. And I think that's you know one of our challenges is just getting people to uh, you know kind of remain open and curious to the music and not uh, not prejudging uh, it and uh, giving giving it a chance to become somewhat familiar to us. Uh, so we can, you know, get our get our heads around the complicated time signatures and some of the drifting from the melody and things that, you know, I think is where where we can lose people. Uh, what, would you agree with that? Well, I'd say that there's lots of accessible jazz. Lots. There is no question there's, about there's, it. There's yep. uh, Art Blakey. Uh, there's Mercy, Mercy, Mercy. There's Tom Brown, Jamaica Voice. There's uh, there's Sanborn. There's Miles Davis, Kind of Blue, which is a very accessible record. There's mm-hmm. if you want to talk Coltrane, the Ballads records. I always turn people onto that record that want to kind of start getting into jazz music and stuff. That's a very accessible, beautiful record. Johnny Hartman, Coltrane. Um, all the cannibal yep. early stuff, you know. Um, there's a lot of lot of stuff out there. It's just that you're right, you know. If they get, they start with Ascension or Cecil Taylor or Ornette, they might not, you know, uh, <laughs> appreciate that as much as maybe they would in a few years <laughs> later after listening. You know. There it is. Yeah, yeah. It's a it's a journey, right? And uh, uh, sure. like you like you say, John, there's plenty of it out there. Uh, my God, we've got over a hundred years of recorded music, right. That we can pull from. And uh, so if, if people right. are just, you know, curious enough to look, uh, I think they'll find their sweet spot and that's going to change. I mean, I think we all evolve uh, over the years and uh, what we, you know, uh, take to uh, initially might be very different than what we, you know, come to enjoy 15, 20 years from now. And that's, that's part of the fun. Sure. That's part of the fun. So like I, I look at your. That's how you become a connoisseur, indeed. Indeed, you you wear many hats, sir. And, and as a player, a composer, an arranger, a director, musical director, producer, and and I want to talk a little bit in a few minutes about uh, your work as an educator and mentor. That interests me in particular. Uh, do, do you have a favorite hat? May I ask? No, no, I don't. I mean, I love improvising. That's what I really love yep. doing the most. And to me, you know, writing is improvising, just writing it down, yes. you know, composing. Yep. So that's what really turns me on is be able to make stuff up on the spot. Yeah, um, yeah. Well, you're, you're such a and, wonderful but that, talent. That, is, that, is, that has taken me into, you know, I've used that skill uh, uh, as a musical director, dealing with, you know, uh, producers that aren't musicians, people that aren't, you know, uh, 
or being thrown curveballs in life or, you know, on the set of a, of a TV show or all this kind of stuff, you know, being improvisers really helped me deal with, you know, uh, you know, new problems that arise that you have to, you know, I guess problem solving is what you would say. Right. Yes. Yes. And you a make, lot of being uh, a musical uh, director and, and a film composer is being a fireman and putting out fires. Mm-hmm, and, uh, mm-hmm, yeah. It takes a little improvisational skill skill as well. Um, you, you sound familiar to one of your contemporaries, uh, Brent Fisher, who we had on a couple of weeks ago, and you know he talked um, a lot about you know sort of the, the, the negotiation that goes on to to uh, you know make changes to music and and how that can be a very delicate matter, and I, I bet you'd agree with that. Um, it, it, it's it's a it's a process, and uh, you're dealing. Uh, lots of the time with very, you know, strong personalities and opinionated people who, you know, they know their stuff. And, uh, you know, you, you got to have a good reason to make to make substantive changes. And that's uh, that's that's a matter of communication, isn't it? And uh, and uh, reputation. I mean, having done it before with good results certainly helps you in those discussions. Uh, I'm, I'm sure you'd agree. Um, t- tell me, if you would, John, about uh, about Monkestro. Uh, wh- what's that all about? It's a series of records. Uh, what did you have in mind when you put that together? Uh, well, it sort of happened by accident. I got I got commissioned to write uh, for a band uh, here in LA called the Luckman Jazz Orchestra. Uh, they're no longer mm-hmm. together, but it was a um, it was it was a you know, supported by a college. It wasn't a student band, but people like Ndugu Chancellor, um, um, uh, uh, lots of, lots of uh, Benny Maupin, people like this were in this band for a long time. And so they asked, yeah. they were doing a monk program, so I wrote, they asked me to do Ask Me Now. And um, I was, you know, I did the chart and kind of figured out a way to uh, kind of put my own voice in his music, using his music, and... Um, the light bulb went on. I said, wow, man, I'm really, I'm really kind of connecting in another way uh-huh. with this. So I did um, another piece called Epistrophe of his and discovered mm-hmm. I could change the meter. I could put an Afro-Cuban beat to it. I could, I could stop in the middle and have free, a free section. You know, it was just it was very inspiring. So I kept writing, and um, I had about six tunes, maybe five tunes. And, yeah. Um, got together with some of the guys, you know, we rehearsed at the union and um, did a couple of rehearsals and we had fun and um, booked a gig at the Blue Whale, which is a club here in LA and yeah. uh, did a weekend and people came out and got all excited about it. So it just was sort of a, uh-huh. it was kind of lucky, you know, uh, but a lot of things turn out that way, you know, that uh, things that surprise you that stick and stuff surprises you that doesn't stick. And this one sort of, yeah. Well, I tell you, I enjoyed my exploration of of the three of the three records, uh, John. I want to play one, give folks a a taste of, you know, what you mean when you say put your own voice on it. I think you do that uh, just beautifully uh, in uh, uh, Monk's bebop tune. I think he did this in 1943, round round midnight. So let's give that a spin.
So pretty, so many layers there, uh, John and Greg. I just uh, love your phrasing, uh, John, and uh, some pretty bass. Uh, just, just so many things to enjoy about that. But you clearly made that your own. Uh, that's a song that's been played a lot, covered by many, and uh, never quite like that. Uh, t- tell us a little more about the composition of that, if you wouldn't mind. Well, actually, you know, that tune was an early R&B tune, the way uh, it was played yeah. originally by Cootie Williams. You know, it was in the 40, uh, 30s, I think, maybe early 40s. Yeah. Um, uh, he was quite young when he yeah, wrote 43. it. Yeah, he was yep. quite young when he wrote it. And um, um, uh, the thing about, you know, working with monk tunes is it's, it's a gold mine. There's all kinds of stuff in there, <laughs> you know, yeah. um, that that can inspire you. I mean, you know, you're you're dealing right off the bat with crafted and artistic compositions. So, you know, I just try to, you know, rearrange the puzzle a little bit, you know, and and, yeah. and uh, that's what happened there. You know, um, I started working on those. I, I wasn't even thinking of the team. I started working on those those ascending chords, those four chords that keep bumping. I was mm-hmm. working on something, just playing. And then all of a sudden, it's like, oh, man, will that work over this? And it did. So. <laughs> yes, it did. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's these, these noodlings, these, uh, these, these, you know, trial and error. Uh, it's just got to be like putting the jigsaw together. And uh, that sounds like it's the fun for you, too. When you have these breakthroughs, these discoveries, it's just got to, I bet you feel like jumping for joy sometimes. Uh, you nailed it there. Uh, I want to play another one while we're while we're featuring uh, your your music. Uh, uh, Five Spot Blues, I think, is uh, one that the Monkestra did as well. Um, and uh, I want to want to play that real quick here, please. Great. Thank you. 
Greg, you like that one? My oh, goodness. love it, love it. My love goodness, it. my uh, goodness. John, I want to ask you a question. Sure. Uh, yeah, you know, well, actually, uh, not so much a question, but uh, uh, I checked out some uh, some of your stuff, and then in one of the videos that uh, I saw, you were back to back. I think, uh, not I think, I know it was uh, Vinny Caluda, but with Jeff Watts and James Genius, uh, it sure is a pleasure, I'm sure when you're writing things and you have the the right people to make that come alive. What do you say? Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, great musicians bring life to music, music you know. It's, it's um, yeah. Um, I've been playing with Vinny off and on since, you know, we were in our 20s, you know, and we yeah. always had this connection, you know, and he can play anything, you know. People don't know he can swing. And, oh yeah, he you know, definitely uh, can. Definitely, he's come come coming for Tony Williams, and 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 that holds a very creative cat. And you know, Jeff is 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 to me, Jeff needs to be in the same conversation as Jackie Jeanette and Elvin and Tony as those other guys. He's that that our, our generation, one of those guys, you know. Um, yeah, well, um, I believe he is. And uh, the, the guys I talk to, yeah, yeah, you're right. You're 100 percent right. I guess Vinny too, yeah, for that matter. Yeah, yeah. of Vinny, course, Vinny too. Uh, Why some not of the Vinny? Sick Korea stuff that he plays, yeah, that's just yeah. You're you're 100. He's been right. playing with Herbie Hancock for the last 10 year, 10 years or so, so you know. Right, right. Uh, if exactly. Herbie's hiring him, you know, you know, you know he's got some <laughs> stuff. You know, doing some things right, absolutely. You, you mentioned. Um, you know, surrounding yourself with good players, you, you got a you got a pretty good chance of producing something that's special. Uh, the film, the uh, film, the American film director uh, Alfred Hitchcock said that about ninety percent of making a good movie was casting, and, and it's true in music too. Uh, I bet you'd both agree. Um, I want to make a, uh, just a couple of quick observations about this one that we just heard, uh, John. I mean, some real tricky runs. Uh, multiple instruments uh, you got no margin for error when you're when you're doing that and I know that doesn't come without a lot of practice um, you both have Steely Dan in common and uh, I wonder if you ever were a party to this but they, they believed uh, Becker and Fagan believed that uh, often music had to be practiced uh, to the point of perfection, and then a little further than that, beyond, so that it could be played uh, with ease in the hands or in the mouth. Uh, would, 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 did you see evidence of that, or, or would you agree with that? Um, I'm not so much on the rehearsal side, but in the session side, for sure, cutting tunes. Uh-huh. They're notorious yep. for spending days on one song. And, oh, yeah, yeah. And uh, I, I witnessed that myself because uh, I, 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 um, I, I recorded um, a lot on Two Against Nature, but um, didn't make the record. I was in the studio for three weeks with those guys. And of course, it took a year to make a record. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I later learned from other musicians like Chuck Ringy and, you know, uh, guys that, uh, that had played with them a lot and done a lot of sessions with them that their, their process is sort of, um, they, they would, they would basically run it into the ground because usually after about two or three takes, musicians start getting a little, um, 
complicit, <laughs> you know, complacent, you know what yeah. I mean? At least right, on the jazz right. side, totally. sure on the jazz side, you know. Um, yeah, yeah. You, know, you start kind of losing inspiration in a little while. But they would just beat it to the ground and then re- resurrect it. That was their thing. And a lot of times they would go yeah. back to the first or second, third, fourth takes anyway. Yeah. And then put takes together, right. you know. They were they they had this right. guy Roger right. Nichols who was an, was a master at editing, and um, you know they'll take a verse from this one take, take the chorus from this other take, the intro from here, and then that that was their process. And then start overdubbing yeah. and replacing on top of that. Yes. Yeah, they were masters in the studio. I mean, Walter, I knew Walter a lot better because um, he, he actually produced my first two records and got me a record. I know that. Yes, I do. Um, uh-huh. Yeah. So, um, and then I ended up working a lot on stuff that he was producing back in those days. And uh, yeah. we became pretty good friends. And um, I would witness both those guys in the studio doing stuff like that. Yeah, definitely the great Walter. Yeah, really, we're in a unique approach to uh, you know composition and getting it in the can, so to speak. And um, they're one of the one of my favorites. And when I saw your uh, affiliations with them, it just made me all the more interested in having you on. You're uh, uh, part of a long list, John, of people who uh, were in session but didn't didn't uh, make the final album. I bet it's yeah, right? five hundred long. <laughs> <laughs> there are story, stories that uh, are legendary. It didn't feel very good that. at the time, though, I can tell you couldn't that. Have. No, it couldn't have. I mean, they'd bring in a whole new band, right? I mean, it's like, nope, not working. We're, you guys are uh, yeah, going to go to lunch if you like, and they'll come back. Uh, I'm sure they were they were kind about it. I would hope that would be the case. But uh, uh, that showbiz, uh, I also suspect that some of that stuff isn't uh, isn't always done with uh, smiles and please and thank yous. I don't know. But uh, well, hey, I want to I want to make sure we allow time here for uh, the really important work that you're doing with uh, the next generation of, of players. So, uh, however, you'd like to explain that, uh, John. I know you work with, uh, you know, promising youth players and orchestras all over the world. And uh, talk a little bit about that, if you would, sir. Well, number one, there's more, probably more people playing jazz than ever right now because of the mm-hmm. young people playing. You know. It's in it's yes. in junior high schools now. It's in high schools, colleges everywhere. Um, so there's more more and more people, you know, playing it and and uh, interested in it and listening. I don't know if they're buying records, but <laughs> they're listening. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, it's it's amazing, and you know, it's like and, and there's some amazing talented. Oh man, the, the, the amount of especially. Um, Technical facility is astounding, um, mm-hmm. but it's 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 natural. You know, this is this is human evolution. Athlete, athletic records are being broken all the time, and have been for hundreds of years. You know, the next generation yeah. comes yeah. along; they're smarter, faster. You know, um, and, and that's true with music too. You know, that's how it evolves. You know, uh, and yeah. now yeah. you know with technology, it's even evolving faster. You know, because now you can. You could dial up, uh, you know, uh, Chucho Valdez, you know, playing playing piano, and you know, there's a camera behind him, and check it. Really, check out what he's doing. Yeah, certainly. And, you know, Hills the drummers know right? for sure. The drummers are always watching each other. You know, yeah. and um, so you know the, the the new crop, the new the new generation, 
there's a lot to be heard there. Now, I wish there was places for them to play. That's that's sort of the, yeah, the quandary. You know, they're studying and, and all this, but there's nowhere to go, you know, after yeah. after they get through, you know. Um, not like uh, it was, I mean, I kind of caught the tail end of, you know, touring with jazz artists, you know, like where you could go out for three or four weeks, play a week in each city. That, sure. that was how I got stronger and a lot of people got strong you know it's, it's playing every night on that kind of level um yes so so everybody y'all out there y'all jazz fans out there try to find a way for a young musician a place for them to play you know and for you to go listen to you're them, here you know, support your local yes. club your yes. local coffee shop whatever record store you know you can play anywhere so uh yep yep let's help these these young people out with with that Yes, uh, uh, totally you could, true. If I might yeah. add, if I might add, you true. can, you know, you could study and play with records and play in a in a classroom, and but until you really learn, until you really start playing in front of people, you know, that's when you really start learning fast, like how to, you know, if you got a cold crowd, how to warm them up, um, if it's a dance gig how to get them on their feet, how to get their heads bobbing. That's all such important, you know, work as a jazz artist, you know. Yes, yes. Is playing for people. And, you know, yeah, that's, a, that, that's, that's, a, that's a great point uh, because a lot of times uh, you go to, a, you're in a situation, and you're speaking of young musicians, go to a situation where maybe the, Patrons aren't necessarily there or paying to come to to necessarily see you, and it's a way to figure out how to draw that audience and 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 get them on your side or get them tapping your foot. That's exactly right. And another thing that happened in Chicago when everything was uh, kind of shut down for a while, and you can only do this for a little while in Chicago because of the weather. But a lot of the students were. Uh, uh, giving what you call a, 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 here a porch concerts, like they would just mm-hmm. set up on somebody's porch, and uh, sometimes the, and they would put a, a, a tip jar or even something to uh, donate, you know, uh, through a credit card or whatever. And a lot of times, some of those concerts would they would make more money doing that than they would playing a gig that would pay but everything you said as far as learning how to run a job learning how to run a gig it takes time and learning it's a kind of mistake to go up on the stage and then play just for yourselves no and not worry about who's listening or be concerned to a certain point in the beginning like who's listening to you that's a very good point that you made yeah working with older musicians and Having to fake tunes on a gig that you don't uh, exactly. know. Exactly. <laughs> you know, all of that stuff. Yeah. Man, that's 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 the real thing, you know. And yeah, those those porch concerts. I mean, Cat's been playing on the street in New York and in Chicago for years, you know, in the subway. Yeah. Yeah. You know, those cats can really make some money, you know. And, yeah, because you don't have you to you don't into... have to pay an agent. You don't have to like pay the union. You you know, the the club owner's not taking a little dip, you know, to have you there. Yeah. 
Right. And 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 depending on 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 where you are, like there's always street musicians, and you had to have a in Chicago, you uh, you had to have a license to be able to play in the streets in Chicago. But these are sort of like in the suburbs uh, where you don't have your plan on one of the band members' porches, and the neighborhood mm-hmm. comes and sits with their lawn chairs and stuff. So uh, musicians got. Uh, Real creative uh, in Chicago when, sure did. when things yeah. were 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 shut down. So I hope they keep doing that next summer and this spring. You know, I hope they keep doing. Yeah, that. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it, it just finds a way to break through. You know, talent and music will always find a way to break through. And you're right about uh, not enough places to play. You know, we're fortunate that we, we stay busy, but it took a long time. You know, it it took. A long time to be able to do that. So mm-hmm. you're, you're, I agree with you so much. Yeah. The the uh, lessons learned in a live setting are, are as valuable as anything you'll get as a musician. I suspect. I once uh, was close. Uh, you you both familiar with Monty Alexander? Uh, I saw him challenge some fairly new young musicians, very good players, but uh, not with his uh, credentials. But uh, he called out three key changes in, in one song. And, man, that's a high wire act to see people, you know, <laughs> scramble and trying to get their head around all that. It was just delicious to somebody who knew just enough to be dangerous like me. Uh, I saw what was going on, but these guys were sweating like Nixon. <laughs> like Nixon, I say. <laughs> Uh, the the uh, John, we've kept you longer than we suggested, but uh, one one uh, one. I want to give you a chance to to uh, uh, promote uh, any of your upcoming uh, good works or, or uh, performances. Uh, but I always ask uh, our listeners what what would uh, our our guests what would surprise us most that's on your phone right now, musically speaking. Oh. Um. Somebody turned me on. Where did my phone go? Um, somebody turned me on to this this, this Ayerto record um, Ayerto. called. I just um, just listened to it um, the other day, yesterday. Seeds on the ground. Um, and it has um, Hermeto Pasquale and Ron Carter. Sounds amazing on this record. Floor Pyramid. Wow. And it's it's um, sort of around the time as Return of Forever and all that, uh, but it's. Uh, it's a great record. I was just checking that out. And the other thing is that I have a Christmas record that just came out. It's on. Um, oh, it's called Holidays. Uh-huh. Holiday. H O L L I D A Z E. And um, so you can you can find it all the streaming services. And uh, it's just digital. And it's just uh, I went in and, and cut it in three hours. I wanted to see if I could do a. Um, like a live to two track, like an old old fashioned record date where. We didn't sure. rehearse. It just brought brought tunes in, and away we went. And it was it was fun. It was it, it turned out pretty good. Um, well, what a great so stocking uh, stuffer that would make, uh, John. We're going to get that posted to our respective Facebook, Twitter, Instagram pages, and uh, show page as well. And uh, I'll be picking that up for for sure myself. Um, and uh, are you scheduled? Uh, what is your What does your first quarter look like? Are you on tour, or will you be home some? Um, I'll be on tour, but not not near as much as I have been this year. This year it was like two years in one. In fact, I yeah. think I was gone by the time uh, 
this gig in Sweden I have uh, after Christmas comes around. It'll be almost that. 300 mm-hmm. days away. Wow. Um, but yeah, yeah, go to Sweden for this piano festival. Um, I think I play the 29th of December. Yeah. Then coming home mm-hmm. and um, doing, speaking of the youth, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm going to conduct the uh, California All-State Jazz Ensemble for their concert. Um, Very cool. 20th or something like that of January. So we have a couple mm-hmm. weekends of rehearsal and, and that. And um, then I go to Germany uh, to cut a record with the HR band out of Frankfurt. It's one of the radio bands. And um, we we reimagined Return of Forever. Um, no. Cover. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so we're doing a whole record and some concerts there. And um, in the meantime, I'm, I'm starting a movie uh, with Thomas Newman, a new Pixar movie. Oh. Um, so we're going to be working on that in the next few months. Okay, I'm busy, busy. You're just well, going to beat the, beat great. the band, so to speak. Fantastic. It does sound great. You're, you're an important important an important voice for us, uh, John. I mean, you are banging the drum for, for all of us and, uh, you know, furthering good music. And uh, we, we close the show. We always talk about the medicinal uh, properties of, of good quality music and how they can be sad for the soul. And uh, you're certainly uh, doing your part to promote, uh, you know, good, high-quality music. And uh, I know it's hard. It's got to be tough to be on the road so much. But uh, people like Greg and I uh, so appreciate it. And uh, uh, if you're ever in Chicago, my friend, uh, I hope you'll I hope you'll look us up. We'd, we'd we'd love to we'd love to get to know you even better. Um, so I hope you get uh, there. I, I, I was just there last month, actually. You were. You were. Well, you've got yeah, you well, got not, two, uh, two in October. You were well. You got two buddies uh, here. You probably have hundreds of friends, but you've got you got two buddies, and uh, we are going to consider you a, a, a good friend of this show for for coming on and sharing so freely. I know our listeners have had a ball; they feel the same way. So, uh, a great and safe uh, holiday to you, John. Uh, keep swinging. I know that you will. And uh, let's talk again soon. All right. Thank you for your time and what you guys what you guys do for the music. I mean, what. You're out there promoting and swinging it every day, so uh, pleasure is ours. Thank you very much. It's it's there. Great to hear you, and hope to meet you. Nice to meet you too. All the best, John. Take real good care, sir. All right, keep on keeping on. Okay. All right. There he goes, Greg. What a spirit, huh? I talk about uh, the factor. He's just uh, God. You hear his. Credentials. I could have. I could have still been introducing him uh, with all of his accolades. I mean, <laughs> it's hard to know, uh, you know, what to cover and what to, you know, cover the next time. But uh, yeah, you talk about uh, credentials. He's got that, and then some, and uh, you know, good stories and a great perspective on things. He strikes me as a very uh, pragmatic man, and uh, you know, with that approach and his creativeness, he, he's a he's a, he's a he's a he is a very capable person when it comes to you know composition and performance and all the things that he would need uh, to be successful like he has been. Well, hey, let's do this, uh, Greg. Let's take a quick little break. We'll catch our breath, and uh, when we come back, folks, we're going to do our jazz flashback with Greg Rockingham. Now, a quick word from our sponsors. Stay tuned.
If you dig what you're hearing, friends, why not pick up some Jazz Mill and Soul Message Band merchandise? High-quality mugs and tees that are certain to make you the happiest cat around. Just take out your phone, ease on over to thejazzmill.net, click on the swag tab, and get your order down. It's quick, it's simple, it's safe, and your satisfaction is 100% guaranteed. For some sales, help jazz musicians against cancer, the Multiple Sclerosis Association of America, and the ASPCA. Welcome back for more great music and lively discussion on the Jazz Mill with your host, Scott Henderson. Well, it is time once again for the Jazz Flashback and my co-host, Greg Rockingham. Uh, Greg, what do you have for us, my good friend? All right. I'm going to combine December 7th, 8th, and 9th, but I'll let you know on which days I'm I'm speaking of someone. So on December 10th and 19, no, I'm sorry, December 7th and 1909, the band leader, Teddy Hill, was born in uh, Birmingham, Alabama. And then also uh, great pianist uh, Matthew Shipp was born in 1960 in uh, uh, Wilmington, Delaware. Now, this is important. It's close to my heart. Uh, December 8th, which is tomorrow, organist uh, Jimmy Smith was born in uh, Morristown, Pennsylvania. And uh, yep. December 9th was a was a big day. Uh, two of my favorite trump, trumpeters uh, were born. One was born in 1932 in Detroit, Michigan, and that was uh, Donald Byrd. And then oh, yeah. same yep. day, December 9th, uh, the great Jimmy Owens was born in 1943 on December 9th in New York, New York. And probably uh, the... Uh, the greatest day, as far as jazz uh, is concerned, is uh, December 9th. Uh, one of the greatest days, uh, John Coltrane Quartet, they recorded A Love Supreme in 1964. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. I wish I could, been, could have been there for that. Oh, yeah. my God, to be a fly on that wall, that would have been a dream for millions of us. Uh, awesome, awesome. Well, yeah, early December. Uh, a prolific time for some great players, uh, for sure, Greg. Um, anybody else uh, to mention? Uh, I think uh, that's about it. For the, I'm sure there's other things going on, but that's about it. But I do, uh, yeah. before we get out of here, you, you promised uh, one of the listeners something uh, last week, uh, <laughs> Mr. Joe Friday. Uh, I promised her... <laughs> Well, let me just, uh, we have a question in the mailbag or a comment that relates to that. Um, it, 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 but here, I just want to read them real quick and I'll, I'll uh, uh, yeah, be done here. But uh, it says, uh, Pat, Pat, this is from the mailbag, uh, folks. You guys are nice enough to call, uh, call or text in uh, comments and, and uh, you know, ideas, questions, and so forth. But Uh, Let me start here. Pat from Chicago says, uh, you fellows are kind of cute. You available, uh, Pat wants to know. Now, I'm not sure if Pat's uh, a guy or a gal, but uh, uh, evidently they they need their vision checked, right, Greg? (laughs) I think they do. Uh, Yeah, but, uh, yeah, I'm available on Sundays at the Green Mill uh, from 8 to 12. 
<laughs> yes, you are. Yeah. Yes, you are. Yeah, let me ask my wife yeah. if I'm available. Of, uh, we've both been married 30, 30 something years, thirty five here. I think you're about the same, Greg. But so I'd have to get yeah. a, I'd have yeah. to get a hall pass from Mrs. Henderson first. So uh, the answer is probably no. Uh, I, I, I'd, I'd probably have a heart attack to begin with. But uh, hey, here's another one from Evan in Tampa. He says, Greg. Uh, I saw your live show last Saturday and wonder if you guys are planning uh, on touring anytime soon. Sure hope so. Uh, Also, is that a new drum kit, they ask? Uh, Greg, what do you say? Okay, Uh, we are uh, in the midst of recording a uh, new CD, uh, the latest CD, which when it comes out, it would obviously will be the latest CD. and then we're planning to uh, get back on the road again. So uh, we've been trying to get to Tampa, and we have some connections there. But uh, whoever's listening can help out and say, hey, we got to get this, this band in Florida. Uh, and as far as the drum kit, that is a brand-new kit. That was probably uh, my fourth time maybe playing that, so I'm not quite used to it. To it, yeah. But I'm uh, show. after I play it each time, I'm I'm loving it. So and thank you very much for for the uh, compliment. I I really appreciate that. It means a lot. Yeah, you've got a you've got a fan in in Tampa and and in 22 other countries. Greg, we're we're being heard uh, in Serbia and uh, Kenya and uh, all over the world at this point. This is the thing that you can do with an internet show, yeah. a podcast. Uh, as the kids say, but uh, yeah, we're growing week over week, and uh, Blog Talk is is promoting us as one of their fastest growing uh, uh, shows right now, and they they are featuring us on on their homepage, and they're just really treating us like gold, and uh, because we're driving their numbers, and uh, uh, that's thanks to our our wonderful listeners and uh, uh, one one listener that uh, was a little less kind. I uh, said, I got a bone to pick with you, Scott. Uh, they don't give their name, but I've got a bone to pick with Scott. His imitation of Hank Stram is the cheese whiz of imitations. Now, I'm not even sure what, what he means by that, or he or she, uh, but uh, keep your day job, he says, radio boy. So uh, with with that, <laughs> with that now I'm pretty thick. You know I'm not going uh, 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 to let God, you get I like to me. It. I'm still gonna I like it. it. I'm still I'm still gonna do my you want me uh, all right, I'm gonna do it right now while I'm while I'm mad. Uh, your your impression was so your impression was so good. <laughs> That's the lady in Chicago that asked if you were available. Pump it right in there, Lenny. Pump it right in there. There he is. I did it again because yeah, I'm obstinate. Give me the old spinner, kid. There you go. Uh now, not to be uh, not to be sullied by any of it. I, I I've been working on my Joe my my Sergeant Joe Friday from the old series Dragnet. Some of our listeners will never remember that, but uh, my wife says this is a dead ringer. So uh, this is uh, Sergeant Joe Friday in a line that is uh, sort of ubiquitous with with him and his acting style. So here it is. Just the facts, ma'am. And that's and that's it. 
<laughs> I need some work maybe on that one. But you get off easy. You get off too easy. Get off that easy. I could have done more, but uh, I just, yeah. I just ran out of runway, uh, Greg. And uh, yeah, but anyway, I'll 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 try to do better next time. I got a couple others in the cooker too, which I may surprise you with. Who knows? Well, hey, Greg, okay. talk about what you're up to. I know December is kind of a wonky month, but uh, what are what are you doing? Where are you playing? Uh, tell us, please. Okay, matter uh, matter of fact, I'm uh, getting up now to put on my coat to head to Chicago. We're playing at the Winter's Jazz Club in Chicago yes, yes. tonight. And then um, Saturday, we play at uh, Club 4114 uh, in Waukegan. And uh, yep. also uh, at that same club, one week later, we'll do our, our Christmas special show and uh a lot of christmas songs and 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 oh, a couple of singers and uh, that'll be good but then also uh every sunday starting at 8 p.m we're at the green mill so uh if anybody's close to chicago uh come on out to any of those places and tonight like i said we're at wonder jazz club absolutely uh, they're, they're wonderful tonight. tonight, Winter's Jazz Club. They're uh, a wonderful uh, in-person act, too. And I think as uh, technology catches up with the world, we're probably going to be able to to see you, um, you know, via live stream like like I did last Saturday. And that was a real treat to be able to catch the set. And, uh, you know, from the comfort of my uh, my Lazy Boy recliner, it was really quite civilized. And uh, thank you for, for making that available as an option. Um, well, Greg, thanks, man. Uh, be safe getting downtown, and uh, we'll, we'll talk, I'm sure, during the course of the week. And, uh, of course, a big thanks to okay. John Beasley for his excellent appearance, and uh, you'll want to be sure to be with us next time as we visit with Jackie Pink Lady Goldberg, and she uh, is going to entertain us any number of ways. Uh, thanks again, Greg, and thanks to our listeners for tuning in. This time and every time, if you Thank dig you. what you're hearing, uh, please uh, tell your friends about us, won't you? Uh, I'm going to play you out here with uh, one from uh, our guest, uh, a composition called Gingy. It's a uh, Joe Beam, Antonio Carlos Joe Beam song, as covered by our brand new friend, John Beasley. Uh, so thanks as always, folks. Stay listening, please. <laughs> 